Hello and welcome back to the Manabunt podcast. We're on episode 20. I've got Lily with me as always. Hi. And almost as always, we've got Mike <laughs> again as well. Hello. I'm cheap, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, for, for this topic, it's kind of had to get you in here. Couldn't yeah. do anything else. Uh, we're talking about uh, World of Darkness, Vampire the Masquerade, that sort of thing. So, yeah. you know, something both Lily and Mike are fairly into, it's safe to say. I think safe to say that fairly into probably doesn't cut it. But yes, <laughs> yes, 100%. Well, it's it's not just about Vampire the Masquerade. I mean, I think Vampire the Masquerade is probably our most played World of Darkness game, at least certainly yeah. for me. But and for me. The, the World of Darkness franchise is, is huge. I mean, it's. I don't think it is now what it used to be, for sure, at least, you know, in, in the late 90s and early 2000s, when the third edition of um, Vampire the Masquerade and a few others came out. But it's, I mean, it is definitely, I think, a, a genre staple in many ways. Um, but perhaps we should get some introductions um, ready before we actually jump into the subject itself. So. For those of you who don't know what the hell we're talking about, World of Darkness is a, I guess, setting and then an RPG book itself, which essentially deals with, you know, the sort of horror fantasy creatures that we all know about, vampires, werewolves, uh, vampire and werewolf hunters, mages, changelings, Wraiths, I'm sure I've missed something, you know, different creatures of the night and dead and friends alike um, in in the mostly urban world, but then there are different uh, sort of modules and expansions of the games that take them back into sort of historical record and, and whatnot. So that's that's kind of the, the setting. It's sort of horror, modern, urban fantasy. I, th I think, <laughs> unless you're playing sort of in, you know, bygone ages. But that's that's sort of what we play with. And the, the actual setting for World of Darkness um, in the RPG itself uh, actually puts you in a very unique setting because instead of starting already as one of these otherworldly beings, you just start as an ordinary human that is unaware of this stuff going on, but... Uh, shortly after you start playing the game, you will see how things start changing and actually, you know, the darkness is all around you. And, and that's what it's all about. I, I didn't think I've played a single game of just World of Darkness, sort of, you know, human meatbags running around without the entire party turning into something else by, I don't know, session six or something like mm. that. Um, so it's it's a very interesting game because I think, you know, whether you're new to the genre or whether you are a complete and absolute fanatic or just someone who is familiarized with it, there is something there is something for everyone in the World of Darkness family, I think. I don't know how Mike feels about it, but that's I think that's something that the original publisher, White Wolf, was very good at doing, um, which was I sort of picking everything and sort of making a great hot pot and just throwing it your way. I think it's true that there is something for everyone in the original you know, classic World of Darkness. I think I would suggest that perhaps White Wolf, it was an uneasy marriage in some cases. Yes. And maybe that's worth a, a, a few minutes on later. But uh, yeah, certainly whatever your taste is in role-playing games, there's something there. Uh, but 
I don't think they always mesh particularly well together. Mm. Yeah, I think, in fact, at some point, um, probably thereabouts, when the third edition of Vampire the Masquerade came out and um, Werewolf the Apocalypse came out, uh, that they, they sort of got a bit too ambitious um, into what they were throwing in. But I think it's also part of the, the curse of the game becoming very popular, because to begin with, it was a little bit sort of underground and a little bit edgy. Um, and then suddenly just get, you know, this mass sort of pop cult kind of status, particularly on the Vampire the Masquerade scene. I mean, even today, there is um, LARP groups dedicated to use Vampire the Masquerade. Mm. We have a local one here in Southampton. Um, really? Yeah, I don't have particularly good things to say about it. But uh, no, anyway, no, uh, we, <laughs> we have a local one here. And actually, in the <laughs> south of England, there is a very, very big scene. Every single major city here in the south has their own um camarilla arrangement we will talk about all of this terminology later guys but it's, <laughs> it's essentially sort of you know the 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 gruel that makes the world of darkness and, and particularly vampire um playable um they they used to meet i don't know if they still do but they used to meet um every tuesday in a pub in a pretty sort of um old tiny pub which kind of really helped the setting to be honest um I, I think it used to be an, an old tudor house that then got refurbished during victorian times and whatnot so you know very appropriate for the sort of um things that we are talking about um but yeah and, and then that group had connections with the portsmouth group and then with the bournemouth group and it yeah. it was you know all over the place and um I, I am aware that when I was in, yeah, it's, I, I went there once and then I never came back. But, <laughs> uh, but okay. um, there, there was a lot of power politics, which is really suiting for the context <laughs> of the game, but it kind of felt like they took it a bit too far and I wasn't comfortable <laughs> with that. Um, right. But I mean, even when we were in uni, um, when Alex and I were in, in our uh, work society, the, the gaming society, for student nationals, which was the biggest event for all universities that had, you know, some form of game or geeky society a year, World of Darkness settings in the RPG category was one of the biggest following D&D. So if you wanted to play D&D, you essentially had to pray, hope that someone would die and you would be able to take their spot. And if you wanted to play World of Darkness, you probably would be actually best offering yourself to dm and actually allowing for extra tables and spaces you know to be accessible that way because it was so in demand that the the student union that would be organizing it that year would be desperate to have an extra dm for the subject because it was really popular genuinely really popular so it's it's not surprising that these things are still going on but yeah it's if if I recall correctly, even in the online sort of forum community, World of Darkness was crazy. Like, I don't remember how many forums and sort of group chats and things like that were dedicated to, to this, no matter where in the world. I remember there was a time when I started playing and MSN and MySpace had just become a thing. This is how far back we're going. Um, and I think everyone that I knew there was a world of darkness player of some form or another um, i was playing with people from latin america where i think it has a, a huge following particularly in the area of mexico and there is an, an rpg group 
which are on online. I can't remember their name, but they have several settings which are in in the sort of new world and in the Americas, which are really interesting. I'm trying mm. to find them. Um, uh, but obviously in, in other parts of the world, it's it's been massively popular as well. Um, so, you know, it's it's something expected but anyway that's that sort of general background and um, I think you know what Mike is mentioned here about the original World of Darkness uh, is quite important because World of Darkness well White Wolf essentially stopped publishing at one point I can't remember when this was was it sort of late 2000s Mike oh um, something like that I'm just uh, to be honest I've, I've just pulled Wikipedia, uh, uh, skimming the publication history, and it is insane. Uh, it, tw- yeah. 2004. 2004, yeah, that was it. Um, yeah, they sort of um, just... They basically wrapped up their entire campaign world. Yeah. And then rebooted in a sort of World of Darkness light form. Uh, yeah, which is quite sad, to be honest. <laughs> I genuinely dislike the new the new games i genuinely do some people I, say that they're you know great in some ways that the originals weren't blah blah but eh, they just I, seem so I, vanilla. i think the latest edition of vampire the masquerade from last year whatever mm. has actually some interesting game mechanics but i think at the same point um they're no they're not better than the third edition or revised edition, whatever you want to call it, um, when I think things peaked. Yeah. And it does beg the question, if you've already got revised edition, which I have on several shelves full of source (laughs) books, why are you going to pay 60 quid or whatever it is for the slipcase set of the new edition? Yeah. And and 15 quid for special dice that you need. Yeah. Okay, I did, obviously. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, don't, don't, don't pretend that you didn't. But I mean, it's. I always thought it was a bit silly because, you know, third edition and all of the supplements that came with it were, were more than a full game. It was, you know, yeah. a full subgenre on its own, just for Vampire the Masquerade, let alone the rest of the titles that World of Darkness were publishing at, at the time. So why would I want to downgrade from that? to a game that gives me half of it. I think, and I don't know if it's worth sort of trying to pull in a bit of the background. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Um, from, from my experience, I, mean, I, I, I was there at the start, as it were, kind of thing. Uh, buying my way of his people. Yeah, <laughs> buying my tatty for, falling apart first edition vampire. I mean, falling apart on the shelf. They were so badly bound, it was untrue. Yeah. Um, and I must admit, I, I got the the book back, and I, I remember sitting at work, not working, and reading it, and uh, thinking, "So this is all kind of interesting. All these different clans of vampires that do different things, mm. and but what the hell do you do with it?" And there was very little guidance in first edition as to yeah. how to actually run an adventure. Mm. And and it was only when I think Ashes to Ashes, the first adventure, came out very soon after, mm. that that kind of gave me at least direction. But as the line spread, you've got, as you, as Lily said, you've got werewolves, you've got magic users, you, you've got wraiths, which is a whole other strange kettle of fish. Um, strange kettle of fish. Yeah, and <laughs> various races. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, 
yeah um, um <laughs> and i think that that they became a victim of their own success they started mm. people wanted more particularly a vampire we got the sabbat which include in the original nine clans in the first book then the sabbat were bad guy vampires believe it or not um, the original vampires were supposedly good guys. Well, the whole, po- bad. The, whole, <laughs> the whole point was that vampire, the masquerade, the masquerade is what was the rules you kept to to stop yourself being discovered and waking up with a piece of pointy wood in your chest. Yeah, uh, and so, well, they may not be good vampires, they've at least got some code of, I wouldn't say ethics or morals, no. <laughs> but it's code of behavior that they're, they're going to uh, abide by. It's basically just kayfabe, like what wrestlers have. Yeah, ah, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. In in a way, that's actually a very, very powerful analogy. I never thought <laughs> about it that way. But yeah, but it is. You know, you, the masquerade is is a sort of a, a code that people follow to not um, to keep you undead. Yeah, to 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 let you have your privileged way of immortality life, and yeah. you know, not not fuck about too much. Or at least talk yeah. about within certain limits, which is what makes it such a political environment because you're literally absolutely tiptoeing around everything and everyone yeah. all the time, um, which is something that I think a lot of people don't realize when they go into a setting. It's not you know as much as you're a vampire, you're, you're not just there for you know killing, hacking, and slashing. It's actually a very sort of thinky, manipulating, mechanical way oh, of yeah. doing things, and it's we- it's yeah. We had entire sessions where a, a, not a single die was rolled. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I think they, they became a victim of their own success in as much that people wanted more. Yeah. And yeah. A, a they bit started overwhelmed. In fact, I think. Well, they, they started bolting on more, if not actually vampiric clans, than bloodlines, which oh. were a, a sort of clan by any other name, more or less. Yeah. And crazy. they that's threw the most. Time. Ah, uh, ridiculous, badly thought out, zero quality filter. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, it came to a point where, and, and this is where I sound particularly lame, I was still buying these books and I'm thinking, what the hell am I ever going to use this for? <laughs> um, and I would just rule out certain things. They just did not exist in my world of darkness. Mm. And frankly, my players were having a good time, or so they, so they lied and told me. And <laughs> so... Nobody, I, I had no argument, you know, it worked. But I think the, with the ending of the original World of Darkness, with the Time of Judgment, I think it was a case of White Dwarf probably just wanted to clean house. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can understand that. And unfortunately, they cleaned house to a rather extreme degree and got rid of a lot of the good stuff, as well as the junk. And then they started bolting things back on again. Mm. And you ended up with like Star Wars. <laughs> if I'm allowed the analogy, <laughs> oh, we're gonna ban the canon, and then we will reappropriate the canon as we see fit <laughs> for yeah. our own success. Literally, it is the way. but it is it is literally to some extent what what um, you know World of Darkness did, particularly with Vampire, because that was the first Enterprise they took on board again, Vampire Requiem, after the yeah. clean house, and. I remember picking up the book, which was a shame because the book was gorgeous, you know, particularly if you're if you're actually, you know, into this type of genre, having this sort of, you know, antique like 
nice, touchy, glossy pages full of oh. red-like lettering and stuff like that is really appealing. Oh. And I was like, this is cool, but it's also full of shit. And it was well, so heartbreaking. I, I remember going to my local game shop and I, I'd sort of told myself, I am not going to buy this. And mm-hmm. they had some sort of competition. I walked into my local game shop and said, you won the raffle. <laughs> um, really? Yeah, uh, and I won a, believe it or not, World of Darkness carrier bag. Oh, wow. With the Requiem hardback and the World of Darkness hardback, both oh. signed by the authors. And the Vampire the Requiem t-shirt. Bloody hell. And I'm walking out thinking, did I win the raffle or did you just give me these as first hits free? So, you know, I'm going to carry on spending all my money with you on vampire books. It was was meant to be. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, um, just just for the disclaimer and, and for the people who are listening, I haven't actually played the new stuff at all. I've refused because... Oh. Like like Max said, the 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 changing the dynamics, you know, some some stuff it actually looks really cool, but mm, it that... it really seems to have lost a lot of its flavor and versatility for me, particularly I, I... because um, you know they banned my people, and therefore um, I have a personal grudge against it. <laughs> Your people, <laughs> yes. Um, so as we've been talking about it quite a lot, clans, bloodlines, all of these. What does it actually mean? In, in, in World of Darkness and, and in Vampire, the entire point of having different types of vampires really comes down to uh, a very specific thing, which is your disciplines. Like, you know, the character sheets are essentially the same for every single vampire, although later on in editions, you could have your own customized clan special character sheet, but it was essentially the same, just with different logos and shit like that. Mm. Essentially. <laughs> you know, it, it, was, it was for nerds like me and Mike who would buy <laughs> Yep. The publisher would produce and just say, "Hey, look at this really cool thing that I totally didn't need." Um, hey, I, I bought my clan's notepaper and envelopes so I could well, write letters. You know. There you go. So um, you know that's that's the thing. But um, the 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 clans, um, whether they were the original or the expanded ones, doesn't matter. The entire point was that a vampire was a vampire. You know, they had all of the sort of stereotypical um, motos of the genre. But depending on which clan you belong to, you had a certain, perhaps, ideology, um, which, again, could be quite flexible, and perhaps reasons why you may be a vampire now. And your superpowers as a vampire were different, and these were the disciplines. Every single clan had disciplines that were sort of, some of them were sort of generic, and they didn't belong to just one clan, but they could you know, be part of different clans and depending on how they mix together, that made you this type of vampire or that type of vampire. And then some clans um, had certain abilities that were unique to them. And my clan, the Tremere clan, uh, was essentially, they were cool guys. No, they were cool guys. They were, they were in, in essence, the last people to come to the party. Uh, And they were, well, essentially wizards that started fucking about with vampires thinking, hey, this is cool, how we can make ourselves immortal and, and bought themselves a passage into immortality full of magic. Um, and the reason why I did this purely is because if you've been listening to this long enough, you know that every single wizard that ends in my hands dies horrifically and catastrophically very soon. So I thought, if I make myself an immortal wizard, surely it can't die, right? Uh-huh. Um, and that's kind of how it began. But also, 
you know, Tremere were supposed to be sort of studious academic types surrounded by books and um, freaky things. And I mean, it was a generic thing, part of the aesthetic of, of the world of darkness, what's sort of very rock and roll and punk. But the Tremere had like a classy old school rock look to them. And I was like, yeah, that's that's badass. That's awesome. I can deal with that. Um, and they didn't really have much of an issue having females reaching certain positions in power, which some vampiric clans genuinely did. So, you know, uh, it was it was great. It was it was a perfect combo for someone like me. Um, and even better when you actually got reading into the lore and the disciplines and, and actually the special uh, discipline that Premier have, which is the Matergy and allows them to create magic, is perhaps one of the most detailed, absurdly developed <laughs> discipline um, that you could imagine in the game. Like there is literally pages and pages and pages just dedicated to the different routes you can take depending on what level of thaumaturgy you have. So you could literally be a wizard of any type, kind, and, and shape and form that you could imagine, which was fascinating, particularly in a sort of, you know, modern urban setting, which was very different from the sort of, you know, D&D and Lord of the Rings background that I had experienced. It was like, how would magic actually work, you know, in, in the modern world where we have actual technology? You know, what is the advantage of having that? How, how does it work? How does it happen? And the answer is that uh, fire is an international language that uh, works everywhere, no matter the age or setting. So there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the Tremere essentially got banned in the new edition. Um, they just oh, decided right. that they didn't exist. Yeah, I think with the new design team on the fifth edition, they've mm. they've tried to re recover as much as possible the feel of the original World yeah. of Darkness. I think you know, there's always going to be differences in opinion as to how successful they've been. Mm. And we're all going to miss bits that they haven't brought over or say, I wish they hadn't brought that bit they did bring over. Mm. Um, I think the, the biggest grating thing for me. I mean, all the original clans are there in one form or another. Uh, but they, it's actually the artwork, which is really really very well executed, but it's so ornate. And you think, yeah, if you're trying to abide by Masquerade, then walking down the street in a black lace dress, 18-inch stack heels, <laughs> you know, um, knives through holding your hair in place or whatever, you know, you're going right. to get noticed. Not very subtle. No, no. No. Uh, no. Um, but, but yeah, Tr Tremere are back. Um, all the original nine clans are back, I'm pretty sure. You're all welcome. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I do think with hindsight, the house clearance of Vampire the Requiem or the, that whole World of Darkness area was a mistake. I mean, yeah. just the redefinition of some of the clans, the, the removal of others. And not just for vampire, but werewolf. I can't even, werewolf the Forsaken, wasn't it? The uh, the yeah. revamp. Um, and it, yeah. I, I remember being in a, a friend's game shop, and somebody came in and said, "Have you got a Vampire the Masquerade rulebook?" And one of the guys that worked there, who wasn't particularly RPG familiar, was sort of saying, "Oh, I don't think so. I'm going to have a look." And I sort of said, hang on, they don't do Masquerade now. It's out of print and it has been for a couple of years. It's Vampire the Requiem, which being helpful, which is here. Oh, I don't want Re Requiem. We'll just carry on working from our PDF, PDFs. Um, <laughs> ow, to say that actually in a game shop. Um, but it said a lot that, you know, oh no, if we can't have... It was prepared to buy Masquerade, but not Requiem. Hmm. Um, 
which I think went for a lot of people, frankly. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, <clears throat> and that is that is purely from a sort of vampire kind of kind of way. And I, I want to sort of point this out to everyone that's listening that I think because vampire was perhaps the biggest name in the franchise is the one that underwent more changes that were most noticeable. Mm. Um, I have heard actually really good things about how the new dynamics are actually helping the general World of Darkness setting where you just play ordinary humans. Because to be honest, as much as the sort of uh, original World of Darkness setting was lovely, it was quite messy running just a straight up game of World of Darkness when, I, like I said, the possibilities of people becoming whatever they wanted were, were just absolutely uh, bonkers. You know, you had to keep so many things in check. Um, and if there is one thing that we can fault uh, White Wolf for being is that their their game engine wasn't terribly uh, user friendly. <laughs> um, I I think it was functional but unremarkable. Yeah. yeah, and I think I mean I remember I I ran well for the apocalypse for a while, which I don't know if anybody else ever attempted it. But um, for those that don't know, you, you are basically you play a werewolf. That was either born, <laughs> so yeah, either born to wolf parents and can shift into a human form, or born to humans and can shift to a wolf. But you've got five stages from which, in typical white wolf fashion, have to have vaguely pretentious names. Yeah. So your wolf yeah, form. Everything is, has a pretension name. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Terminology is very important in this game. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to be in wolf form, that's lupus, fair enough, and human form is homid. But then there's Krinos, Hispo, there's a fifth one. And the thing was, that every time you shifted, you couldn't go straight from sort of number one to number five. You had to go from number one to number two, number two to number three, and so on. Yeah, you had and, to go through stages. Yeah, and your attributes changed with each mm-hmm. shift. So it's like, you know, where am I now? You know, count, count the pause. And yeah, have I got plus two dice to strength and one to dexterity or, you know, and it was just... It was messy. It was so messy. And as you said, cumbersome. Um, yeah. And a wh- bit of footing, to be honest. Like, I remember the first time trying um, Werewolf as a player. I never actually ran Werewolf. I mean, I wouldn't have been that crazy. Um, and, <laughs> Thank you. I was. <laughs> and it was, you know, it was it was difficult for me to keep track of of what I was doing, what I was supposed to be. You know, I, I understood that, you know, I couldn't just go from human form to wolf form in, in a second. That wouldn't make sense. That would be ridiculous. But it was just too much. Um, but, yeah. I yeah. mean, it, re- it really needed, I would have said, human, wolf man, or wolf person, and wolf. Yes. You know, there's like the near wolf and the near man and the, the battle form. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a little bunker. Yeah. But um, I was wondering, uh, you know, um, we we both have obviously been DMs, but Alex has only played the game, and mostly yeah. he, he's purely played vampire. So, how do you feel from a from a player's point of view? It actually worked in terms of you know the the game system and the dynamics, because you know you have other points of reference and you've DM, but obviously other systems. So, how do you feel in that sense? The game rolled. Um. Well, I I quite like uh, the system. You know it. From a player perspective, it you know there's nothing weird to really get your head around. Nothing completely crazy. I mean, it's been a little while since I played, so I'm trying to remember 
Well, um, it's basically roll a handful of dice and yeah, all the ones that hit the target number are successes. Yeah, so it's very simple and quick and easy to play, really, in that way, in terms of dice rolling. Um, yeah, uh, but then I my issue I had with the game was uh, uh, probably just because of the type of game it is, is that it does require like a lot of thought about what you're going to do, um, a lot of like planning potentially uh, and things like that. And scheming. I found, scheming. yeah, lots of scheming and being a <laughs> yeah sneaky vampire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you, if you uh, want to get revenge, <laughs> if you want to get revenge on a, a, a an NPC or whatever, the the trick is not to do it yourself, but to find someone else that you don't like to trick into doing the, your revenge for you and letting them take the fall. Yes, yeah. Normally, I, ideally, with two or three everyone. levels of shells. <laughs> yeah. That's the trick for uh, I mean, your party, your not party, your other people, even yourself. Right. Just yeah. someone else. Yeah, so I think my problem with it is that I just don't make a very good vampire. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I must admit, um, I, I, I appreciate where you're coming from. Like, and I think it would be uh, lovely if Alex told you a bit of his story later, because he's had a couple of... Um, of characters and actually one of them has become a staple of, of my world he's always talking <laughs> about with new players and stuff like that because i just said it was a great character personally um <laughs> but eh, yeah i think i think and this is something i saw on the internet very clearly a, a few weeks ago i wish i had saved it but it was sort of like you know like they do those charts of chaotic neutral and they put an image of whoever and, and whatever um, someone actually did something similar with all of the main franchises of World of Darkness and sort of gave them um, a sticker with the theme of what the game is actually about. Because as much as they are all happening in the same universe, and you would think, well, what's the difference between a vampire and a werewolf? You know, they're they're going to have some share, uh, you know, themes or whatever. The, the games were actually designed to get a, com well, I'm not going to say completely different experience from the players, but it was, you know, I wouldn't say that vampire was the same than werewolf in the same that, you know, they had the same system, they had sort of generic topics and all of that, but I don't think the experience was the same. I, yeah. I would say that vampire is very much, like you said, a very sort of scheming game with a lot of internal drama and a lot of personal horror as well. And and I think I remember mm -hmm. that was kind of part of the catchphrase of how they used to advertise it. Very much so. Um, whilst I think werewolf is really just the, the sort of struggle of, of man against nature, um, which it, obviously was very prominent uh, at the time. Yeah, I think werewolf was the possibly a, almost a reaction to there's not a lot of combat in vampire. Yeah, yeah, I, I so, agree. So they made these big hairy combat monsters and then gave them mm. a villain we could all hate in that big corporations are polluting our world. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah. And they get... They gave it a spiritual background that there was a corrupting force called the Worm, yeah, and that all these big corporations were somehow in league with. It was it was kind of like fluffy eco warriors in a way, yeah. <laughs> fluffy spiritual eco warriors. Which I you feel know, like I'd probably <clears throat> get along better playing as a werewolf, probably. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it, it, it genuinely had some positive qualities. Um, yeah. There was a lot I liked. I just really loathed that shape-shifting yeah, mechanism of changing your characteristics 
it was it was generally rubbish. Because the thing is, in werewolf, like in vampire, you have your tribe, and then different tribes have different agendas and and you know special things. So that is a, a running theme in all of the games of World of Darkness. Depending right. on what type of whatever is it that the main title you're playing, you're gonna be slightly different than the other things, which is nice I... to create that sort of diversity, you know. But yeah, I think that that might have been part of, especially when we first played. Um, I mean, you did a good good job easing us into it, as in the first game I played that you ran, Lily. Um, we all started off as humans and suddenly became vampires. Yeah, I mean, essentially, I, things that way. But I borrowed still, the, I think... the World of Darkness sort of, you know, main line of you are just humans trying to get in touch with, with this topic, but just on, on vampire for the sake of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think part of the problem I had uh, early on was just getting to grips with the different clans and all the lore and everything. Yeah, there is a lot of I remember some of the other players in our group like really got into it straight away and all the scheming and the politics, but I was kind of lost. Um, thankfully, I was playing a character who was that didn't matter for too much in that first one. But yeah, that, that kind of worked out that way. Um, but I think that was my issue early on with the game. Yeah, a little it, lot to grasp. In a way, though, I think that really favored your character's story because um, yeah. you were a Nosferatu, weren't you? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Can you tell tell everyone a bit about your, your first counter with Vampire Alex, please? I just really enjoyed this. <laughs> well, I think hard. you remember a lot more details than I do. It's been a while now. Um, yeah, uh, we started off kind of mysteriously becoming vampires and discovering what we'd become. Uh, I'd been made into a Nosferatu, which pretty much their main characteristic is that they're ugly. <laughs> ugly as fuck, yes. Uh, yeah. They don't um, have an appearance score. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but I was just like, but, terrifying, but also... terrifying, strong, <laughs> ugly vampire. But they are uh, so much fun to play. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I played this one right or not, but I basically mm. just spent the whole several sessions that we played for this one kind of just being horrified at myself and what I've become. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like wandered around, didn't know what I was doing. All these other people that I was with had turned into vampires and seemed to be like reveling in it and enjoying it. And I was just like, what are you doing? What's going on? Uh, what have I become? Uh, that's pretty much what happened. Um, and then, yeah, there was like one other character that I became kind of friends with. Yeah, Bob. Um, he was a Bruja. Yeah. Uh, he really think... embraced the Bruja ideology to a <sighs> core. I think he, he was kind of yeah. just using me for my like brew, yeah essentially like any bruja would yeah you know, if, if you're if you're a bruja brujas are presented as sort of the anarchs of the group um and they're sort of you know hotheads and they just do whatever but actually the true essence of, of the bruja clan is is very much that sort of intellectual rebellious person that is trying yeah. to bring a political change about and this yeah, character that, that yeah. yeah that that uh, alex's character was friends with was very much of that type of you know i don't give a shit about any of these other people i just want to change things preferably for my own interest um and this guy i kind of like so let's sort of be friends <laughs> yeah so it was the like, the only other character who like paid any attention to my character basically so my character was just like kind of terrified and latched onto this person uh and then that kind of ended up betraying him in the end i think can't remember exactly how we got there a lot of a lot of stuff went down but in the end i basically got my wish and turned human again um but then this bruja character basically saw that as like a betrayal and then killed me 
Yeah. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't even polite. Like they had a very sweet moment right before Alex regained his his humanity and and loss of powers and all of that. And he was likely gonna die shortly after because of all the trauma that he had sustained. But you know, he would die happily a human. And this guy was like, "Oh, you know, everything we've gone through. It was it was really sweet." And then literally, he just turns. He just turns, I just remember it so clearly. He just turns his face from being genuinely sad towards Alex, looks at me dead in the eye, and he says, I pull out my gun and I shoot him. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, I just shoot him straight in the face. I was like, what? <laughs> what is going on? It was it was great, but but it just happened. And it was, it was yeah, kind yeah. of uh, poetic, really. Yeah, so that, that was my first experience with Vampire. Um... <laughs> kind of traumatic but yeah well it's what the game is about so you were playing it right <laughs> i remember uh, i vaguely remember it's all in there there was something with a cat what was that about again? oh god you got so upset about that <laughs> yes. I, I can barely remember but i remember yes. you, you had some sort of yeah. cat that was talking to me and it kind yeah. of weirded yeah, me he, out he befriended that quote-unquote cat um <laughs> It wasn't actually a cat, but anyway, I will not. What do was it? I'm, I'm not allowed to tell you. It's still part of my universe. Oh. Um, but he befriended a cat, and the cat became really fond of him. And um, eventually, the kitty turned into not a kitty, but a huge tiger. And um, one of his other friends decided to um, use their uh, horrible abilities. This was at Titsmeets, and Titsmeets actually have the ability to modify people's. Um, uh, human matter so like your flesh bone blah blah all of that and they just um turned the cat into a uh, bloody mess literally like they turn their skin inside out split a few bones and just tore out a few muscles and the cat was still trying to crawl towards alex asking him for help oh, yeah. um, to his traumatic experience yeah again my only other friend this strange cat that was somehow talking to me um yeah so yeah, yeah that, that that character had a fun time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was my first experience with, with Vampire, yeah. Yeah, and you know, that's that's kind of how it goes, um, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, other than Vampire, like I said, there's many other titles and we've already spoken about a few of them. There is there is one, you know, that I actually played relatively early on and I haven't actually heard a lot of people playing since, and that was Hunter. Did you play much of Hunter, Mike? I, I didn't. Um, if I remember right, it actually came out when I'd just been made redundant from a job and, and didn't buy into it. That said, I played an awful lot of, if you like, classic horror games like Chill, mm. where you play people trying to hunt down undead, etc. Yes. And it struck me as, my funds are currently limited, do I want to buy into White Dwarf's version of Chill, which is probably completely unfair and superficial. But I just never really got into it. It was, um, I mean, it's, I, I agree with you. It was essentially that there was a bit of lore and whatnot. I mean, the, the reason why I think I liked it is because it sort of had 40k-esque undertones from Warhammer, you know, with the back, back, it, it, I think it literally came out as uh, Games Workshop released their Demon Hunters and Witch Hunters uh, set. And, you know, back then I was very much into Sisters of Battle and that sort of stuff. And it it resonated with that idea of, you know, holy, you know, humans that have been selected for their 
their purity or, or holy purpose to go out there and and essentially dis- disrupt the darkness kind of like like a glorified version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer as well, if mm-hmm. you see what I mean. And I think that's kind of part of the issue with the Hunter system, that it just kind of wanted to emulate too many things that were cool at the time from other franchises because it sort of fit nicely with the rest of their narrative. I mean, if I recall correctly, this is also the time when the Blade uh, movies were coming out the th- the second one and the third one particularly Blade Trinity mm-hmm. so that whole sort of narrative of um you know hunting the darkness or turning turning something from the darkness into a weapon against the darkness was very prominent and i think that's kind of how we got into it you know everything else around us was talking about that subject so we were like yeah let's let's give it a go we've already been vampires we've already been whatever let's try the other side and it was <sighs> It was sort of uh, unsatisfying, but I remember very clearly one of my friends who I was playing with, he was quite a sort of religious person and he was going through some spiritual stuff then. And I think that sort of spiritual element of the game was was actually very well realized in the sense of, you know, the, the introspective look at what people fight for and and the difference we want to make in the world was quite interesting but disappointing nonetheless because essentially it was the same than being a vampire but without being a vampire and not having you know super cool powers but just you know a weapon which is nowhere near as fashionable in my opinion at least Um, another one that i've played a bit not an awful amount but a bit was mage um and actually from what I hear, in the new system, they've managed to tidy up the mess that they did with Mage originally, um, which, again, I think it was one of those sort of great ideas poorly executed, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I'd go along with that. It felt to me, certainly from first edition, like we pretty much got a manuscript together, but we haven't had much chance to play test it. Mm. Um Yeah. Ideas yeah. hang hang together on a thread, and I was never sold. A friend of mine was really, really hugely into it, and so he used to to run it. And yeah, we we had some good games, and I, I had a character I I liked, and uh, I think worked. But somehow I could never. Whereas the, sorry, I'm going off a. Slight tangent. The the vampires in Vampire the Masquerade, and even though to an extent the werewolves in uh, Apocalypse, felt grounded in this world. Yes. The sort of huge, massive sorceress influences in Mage, Mage the Reckoning was it? I can't remember. Uh, no, well, Hunter the Reckoning. Yeah, Ma- it was Mage the Ascension, and then yes. Mage the Awakening. Yeah. <laughs> the the sort of powers these people wielded were apocalyptic yeah and it felt like it didn't this is one of the things i was saying earlier that this is one example i don't think sat very easily with the rest of the world of darkness yeah i I am inclined to agree with that you got the impression if half a dozen majors could have got together over a cup of coffee they could have taken out every vampire in the world in an afternoon yeah you know uh, or they could have destroyed the 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 worm and the, the werewolves could just have gone on holiday yeah, but I mean, they White Wolf kind of became um, 
I think they were aware that that, that could be the, the case. And that's the reason why they created um, what I think probably was their control measure, which was the, the whole paradox aspect of, of mage. Um, essentially, there's there's a dynamic in the game that again, you know, whatever pathway of um, magic you choose as as your mage, it's it, the game of mage essentially becomes a power trip mm-hmm. through, through and through. And chances are that you will become very powerful really quick. Most of the time, you start with a character that has just about initiated their way in. Um, in the in the path of magic, which is kind of the reason why the game was called Mage the Ascension, because you had just been ascended into this sort of otherworldly um, level. Um, and you were kind of trying to get grasp of your own power uh, without destroying the world and yourself in the process. And if you were successful, you would be, you know, probably one of these five blokes having a cup of coffee, like Mike suggested. But there was a a dynamic that actually, I think it happened in every single game of Mage that I played, um, which was the fact that if if you became too blinded by your own power and you started using it wrongly or whatever, you could create a paradox with your own magic. And essentially, this paradox would destroy either you or the world or both. it seemed a bit lame, to be honest, to just leave things arbitrarily, you know. It was kind of like a clock ticking sort of feeling. Like, how long do I have until I become so powerful or so stupid that I accidentally or purposefully create a paradox that will kill us? <clears throat> it it didn't seem like a very smart way of of sort of, you know, keeping this in check. And the thing is, the, the only way from the point of view of ADM that you kind of had to, to keep the game interesting was either throwing even more powerful mages than your players to your players or the other creatures of the World of Darkness to them to have, you know, that sort of challenge. Because, you know, fight fire with fires is all great and fun and, and end up having these cool epic battles of, of wizardy and whatnot. But at the end of the day, that gets... That gets lame really quick, I think. Um, but if you are a mage and then you have to deal with the brute force of a werewolf, then you, you may yeah. have an issue. You know, you may be a very powerful wizard, but you know, uh, as easily signposted by the Harry Potter series, uh, <laughs> not gonna be the the only way of dealing with. It. Um, so I think that was kind of one of the issues with mage that. In order to be able to run game effect- effectively, you had to be so knowledgeable of the other systems to be able to make it interesting for your players, unless you didn't mind them just killing themselves all the time, which is kind of boring, in my opinion, at least. Did you ever play Changeling? I did play Changeling, which was the other thing I was going to talk about. And I think Changeling was probably one of the most balanced ones in that sense. I, I thought, I mean, in terms of tone, I used to refer to it as World of Bright Sunny Afternoon. Uh, <laughs> it, it lacked the darkness, and I don't think that was a bad thing at all. No. It, it still had some creepiness around the edges. Yes. Um, but I thought it was a beautiful idea, really well realized, and it was probably be my second favorite the whole of the World of Darkness series. Yeah. Um, for, yeah. for those that Basically, it's 
fairies from pukas and goblins and trolls, pretty much anything from fairy legend, that they've died out because they feed on human imagination. Mm-hmm. And with the moon landing in 1969, people started to dream again and imagine things. And the wave of imaginary energy, for want of a better term, spread over the world and dormant fairy souls started waking up in human bodies. Um, so unless you were a fairy yourself, you wouldn't see someone as a fairy. You'd see them still as human. But if you were, were a changeling, you'd see them as their troll or their sluar or their uh, puka form or whatever. Um, it, it could be utterly, utterly charming. And I think the immortalized trilogy of adventures that they launched it with was an absolute textbook in how, how to run it. It was... Yeah. Sorry, mm-hmm. I, I'm getting all kind of misty-eyed almost. It, it was... No, I, it, I, it genuinely was a nice... From the point of view of the of the Dungeon Master... It was a much more pleasant experience than perhaps any of the others. As much as I love Vampire the Masquerade, you know, the Changeling core book was a lot more comprehensive and easy to follow um, in terms of the dynamics and everything else than the rest. I'm, I'm wholeheartedly put that, you know, there. I'm not entirely sure if from the point of view of the players that always translated well. Um, I don't know. I, I ran one campaign and it generally went down really well. I think the card-based magic was a clunky thing. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. But I mean, you know, the, my my, <laughs> uh, this is probably going to be quite an, an an interesting thing to reveal. But in 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 Changeling, you have kiths instead of clans, which is essentially the same. And um, instead of being a pretty pretty fairy, I was a red cap. Yay! <laughs> which are. Uh... <laughs> Murderous oh, goblins? Yeah, murderous goblins. Murderous oh. cannibal hobgoblins. They are they are vicious. The reason they're they vicious call them little shits. The reason they call them red caps is they dye their hats with the blood of their victims. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I decided that I had been, you know, far too gentle in the other world of darkness games. This was like magical rage outlet, which was essentially yeah. what it was. But um Thing is, they 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 had they were so different from the other fairies um, that I thought it was you know it was interesting because a lot of my friends were essentially that you know magic sparkle rainbows wee happy <laughs> happy joy joy sort of thing and I was like grumpy and always wanting to you know smash people's heads which was quite mm. fun for once and I think you know part of part of the reason why I could allow myself to be a red cap in changeling was because. It wasn't like in Vampire where you just had to be, you know, a political schemer all the time, or in Werewolf where it was just aggression on steroids all the time, or in Mage where you were just about to trip yourself over all the time. It was actually a chance to be weird mm-hmm. and and have some fun. And therefore, yeah. I could be as silly as I wanted to, because there would be repercussions as, as in every single game of World of Darkness. You know, this is a franchise that really, really tries to home in the idea that you cannot just be a murder hobo. There will be repercussions. You need to actually think of the, you know, the actions and the consequences of them, like Alex and his character <laughs> experienced so well. But, you know, it's, it's not like you can just be a silly doofus chainling and be happy and, and nothing will happen to you because there are things out there to get you. And, and they're actually quite, you know, 
freaky at stages, but it was refreshing rather than just being of like the difference between Batman and then being Harley right. Quinn. You know, like I'm Batman and everything is great. Dark and horrible darkness. Um, so it's a connection because, in fact, your vampire kind had a fairy blood, had changed. Yeah, blood. the other yeah bloodline I played as um, with one other character, which I played for a bit longer. I think this this my yeah. I, I see us as my main vampire character from when we played now. Yeah. Um, was a Kiasid? Yes, Brit. <laughs> yeah, yes. So this this is a kind of an interesting. I can't remember how I found out about it. You probably told me about some of the more obscure ones. Yeah, because yeah, I wasn't yeah. really getting on with the, the main ones. Yeah. Um. So, and yeah, this one is essentially vampires with fairy blood, and they're quite like solitary and a bit weird, and they like information and books yeah and, and part of the reason why they're like that is because like i was saying you know the fairy world is quite happy the vampire world is not and when the vampire started to fuck about with fairy blood then obviously things got a bit touchy yeah. so <clears throat> yes it's don't tend to be looked upon very nicely but most vampires um and that's the reason why they are pretty much out on their own yeah all the time yeah and they have some weird uh weird sort of interesting uh disciplines mm. the, their main one is um the one that basically just lets them like consume knowledge from books and stuff like that yeah, i can't remember what else it can do oh, it um, can be all sorts of fun things i'm just yeah all know. sorts of sort of like fairy inspired stuff isn't it which um yeah i'm just bringing it up for a second because i don't remember all of the levels um but they they are quite fun um let me yeah mythertheria um mm. it's quite interesting i think they changed it at some point later but yeah it was kind of i think the first two levels were fairly sort of uh straightforward you know you could see other changing changelings or you could um know whether someone was lying or not um then you could create bonds with fairies or see ghosts or undead things and then you had um, level three where you could um, summon some minions, goblin-like helps. Um, oh, yeah. I don't think I ever got to do that. No, I don't think. I think you kind of skipped over that because you weren't too fast about it. But you were quite fond of of the, because um, that was from second edition. And I just managed to get my hands on a copy of B20, um, which was uh, remove resonance from an object. And I very clearly remember you walking through an entire library of forbidden knowledge using aura <laughs> absorption on every single tome <laughs> to fuck about with everyone else who was after the same information you were. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember that that first uh, 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 couple of sessions I played that in. Uh, basically, I was just kind of like a side character, kind of sort of part of the group of the other player characters but i was just kind of screwing around with them like i wasn't helpful but i wasn't hostile i was just kind of a bit weird and annoying in the background and 
they weren't yep. sure what I was doing. So that was quite fun. Because <laughs> like I said, you know, I don't I don't seem to get on with playing as one of the you know usual vampires. So playing this weird character suited me well. Um and yeah, the about the character, for some reason, I can't remember why, I decided to play him with a Kiwi accent. Which was uh, great. <laughs> yeah, I decided to call him Brit. Uh <laughs> I think this was entirely because I was watching Flight of the Concords at the time. <laughs> um, and yeah, so the funny thing about that, which I always say the Flight of the Concords stole my idea, because about a couple of years, I think, yeah, like two years later, after I played this character, the guys who made Flight of the Concords made their own vampire thing about kiwi vampires called what we do in the shadows which is great yeah which is amazing but when that came out i was like what this is just my character basically like my character would fit perfectly in this yeah 100%. Um, so that was kind of uncanny how yeah they, i kind of accidentally uh preempted their vampire thing um but yeah so in a way <laughs> yeah but that was fun um, so yeah, fun character. Yeah, and and you know it's, I think, it it really represented you know that sort of lightheartedness of being a fairy or a vampire mm. with with fairy blood. The, the fact that you know you had other things in mind other than all political schemes of of doom yeah. <laughs> that everyone else I was planning. Yeah, didn't yeah. care about that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think yeah, changeling changeling definitely was was good. I don't know how it's fared into the new editions, though. Have you had much of a dealing with that, Mike? Uh, well, in the last edition was the revised World of Darkness Requiem era stuff. Mm. And I, I must admit, I've not played it, and I didn't buy it, but I've heard from friends that it was actually quite a good reinterpretation. But so, hmm, good. That said, I don't know if you ever saw second edition of the original, if that makes sense. Um, I don't think so. I think we... It, purely played with the first one well i played with first for years and then they they did quite a number when they overhauled it mm, yes and they <laughs> yeah but it was actually very very good indeed mm. i i would say that if i was to play it now we'll go straight for second edition fair enough um i, I resented the fact that i don't know if you remember the first edition that they had various as they always do the intro introduction is conversation between two people and this is, is a letter spread out on top of tabletops and desktops with all sorts of ephemera around them. And uh, in first edition, they they had a copy of one of my favourite albums of all time lying on the on the uh, the tabletop, which you know, again from a fairly obscure band. And I just thought, yes, somebody else. Oh. Uh, which they, they dropped. It was dropped in second edition. I really resented oh. them doing that. <laughs> but no, it, it was uh, it, it's something that I remember with great fondness and would be it wouldn't take much to me if to, for me to you know run something with changeling again I think it was uh, um mm. it, it never seemed to get the to me the footfall that it required it seemed that most people just saw it as far too silly fairy story pretty or whatever it didn't have enough chains or claws or yeah and I think that was a real shame because I think it was one of the most, coher most coherent of the worlds. Again, I don't think it fit easily with vampires and werewolves at all. I, I, I would tend to run it as a, we are playing Changeling the Dreaming, 
um, yeah, anything you, supernatural you encounter will be also from the dreaming. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's fair. You know. Yeah, throwing throwing things from the other World of Darkness series into the the, the game of Changeling, I think it just disturbs the dynamic a bit too much. Yeah, and it clashes. It's yeah. it's not simply the mechanics. I just think don't think it sits easily. No, I th I think you can have the odd NPC, and that could bring a nice twist, sort of to remind you that it's all still happening in the same universe. Um, and sort of. I think there are some interesting plot narratives that can be developed that way. But yeah, I think, you know, for the as much as when I play Vampire, there is a collection of individuals from all sorts of backgrounds, because at the end of the day, you know, vampiric politics are as much affected as anything else that happens outside of the vampiric world and the vampiric world itself. In in the case of the fairies, they they really are their own their own thing. Um and they sort of took that same approach with some of the other games that then World of Darkness started expanding into and that I kind of completely lost track of. And I'm not even entirely sure what the point was. Like, for example, just, just going now from the top of my head, right? Um, we have the whole thing with Wraith, which we sort of touched upon at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like, what was that about? What was the entire point of playing Wraith? Well, essentially ghosts. Okay. Yeah. And that's it. What do you do? Well, it, it wasn't just ghosts. You're essentially a pair of ghosts. Well, yes. Sorry. Um, oh. You are your Interesting. Co conscious sort of dead spirit. Uh -huh. Someone else in the group plays your nasty, twisted subconscious. Oh. Which is something I hate because it doesn't take long for one player Oh yes. <laughs> to screw over someone unfairly or to actually wreck an entire game. So I, I've yes. I've never been a fan of oh, letting well, players. It sounded interesting, but yeah, mm -hmm. I could see how it would cause problems. Well, I yeah. think I think in the newer edition they've kind of tried to mm, fix some of that. Uh, I, 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 did it ever actually sure. get to a new edition? I'm not sure. Like like I said, I haven't even bothered going nearby it because it just sounds weird. Well, Why there was one. Be a ghost. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Why would I want to share being a ghost with someone else who can screw me over? <laughs> well, it may surprise you to hear that I did actually buy it. Um, well, of course. <laughs> yeah, and a few of the source books and things. Uh, never got around to playing it because I, genuinely, I just did not like that idea of handing yeah. over half a character to another player. Um, but there was something that I said earlier, I think before we were recording, that I found really interesting. I'll be the first to admit, I didn't buy it, I'd never read it, but it does intrigue me for almost for quite bizarre reasons. They did a source book, which should have been the most reviled thing in the history of gaming. Oh. Charnel Houses of Europe. Oh, I thought you were referring to something else, but no, uh, fair enough. It's a source book on the supernatural aftermath of the Holocaust. Oh. Oh, see, I was going to suggest something similar when they did Wraith the Great War, which is also yes. in World War One, And that yeah. is pretty nerve-wracking yeah. as well. I, I, I couldn't, I didn't remember the, the whole thing about that, the, the Holocaust. The, the Great true. War was basically a standalone game, wasn't it? Yeah, yes, that's true, yeah. sorry. But this is a, a source book of the millions dead and how they can impact on the world of darkness. And when I heard right. they were doing it, I just thought, Oh my God! Yeah, you, you're just trying to push the envelope to the point where, yeah, how much publicity can you get? Yeah. And the reviews I saw when it came out were universally positive. 
Yes. So, saying this has been done with real care, real thought, and is a genuinely useful resource to the game that does actually hold a mirror up and say, look, guys, we can't forget this. Right. And yeah. part and, of me, I, I, if I still see one around, I will pick it up. Yeah. If, if I may, I, I mm. haven't played it myself, but um, particularly from the point of view of inclusivity and revisionism and whatnot, <laughs> I've known a lot of people, not just necessarily of, of Jewish background, but a lot of people who you know have had family that were killed in the Holocaust or that suffered the consequences of the Holocaust who happened to also be fans of the world of darkness and whatnot. And they genuinely told me that it was not just a wonderful emotional outlet for, you know, that sort of experience, mm -hmm. but that the degree of respectfulness and, and the nice touch of being able to take all that pain and actually use it for something like affecting the world afterwards was incredibly not just healing, but refreshing, you know, taking something so dark as the Holocaust and its aftermath of, of the dead and actually yeah. being able to bring it and shape it into something completely together, you know, different was, you know, very much like that. And I've heard very similar things from the, um, uh, the Great War one um, in, oh. you know, with that sort of idea of, you know, revisiting trauma and how war affects people, not just... Mm. Not just those that survive, but those that die and whatnot. I'm fairly confident someone who I used to know was one of the two halves of, you know, typical thing, soldier who died uh, at um, at one of the trenches, whatever. And then they, they make it their whole story to sort of try and go back and help their family through, through their incorporeal undead means and whatnot. And it, it's, it's a very sort of touching emotional type of story um and you know i can kind of see the point of wraith in that sort of context mm -hmm. otherwise it just seems a bit weird and it kind of makes me feel you know maybe they sort of just created the original book to sort of see in what ways it could be explored in that sort of magical positive way than changeling but to address some more mature Topics, I would say, that that fit very nicely in World of Darkness because of the actual reality of life. Um, but yeah, that's that's actually one thing that that Wraith had, you know, on on its favor. Um, as much as you know, I, I, like I said, I haven't actually played it myself, so I can't comment. Um, well, but it's interesting. It is it is an interesting experience. Um, but yeah, other other than Wraith and 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 that stuff, we have a uh, Mummy: The Resurrection. Oh. What the hell was that about? Like, oh, I read through it, and as, as someone that has a bit of a thing for Egyptian mythology, I, I, I read through this and, and just thought, "What?" Like, I, is it? A, I'm trying to rack my brain. Is it that you play an Egyptian spirit that now inhabits a, a present-day human body? I can't, honestly yeah, can't remember. I mean, I can't remember myself. Thing is, they redid it as Mummy: The Curses was the new with the mm. new World of Darkness, and. It always struck me, and in fact, I think that may have been the original point, that when you were playing vampire, most of the vampires you would be playing would be settled in the West. But mm. there were several publications on the vampire and world of darkness sort of edition. Uh, the, yeah, the kindred, kindred of the East. East and the, the ebony kindred and all of that. Yeah, was I was going to say, I thought there was some like uh, sort of Egyptian-inspired vampire stuff. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the um, Asamites. 
Yeah, Asamite, the... Children of Set. Set, ugh. And... Someone played one in our game, I can't remember. Yes, Martin. Oh. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, they, there was all of that going on, the, the Kindred of the East. Um, and I am fairly confident you can't actually play Mummy without having read extensively Vampire because there is a lot of crossover there because mm. of the Kindred of the East, which seems a bit weird. It's almost... It's almost like you're doing an expansion pack for your main title, but under completely different terms. And you're essentially well, just, the yeah, first edition was published as a vampire add-on. Was it? Oh, I, yes. I thought it was, for some reason I thought it was like a standalone thing. No, it was done as a uh, as a source book for in the old marbled green. Oh yes, fair enough. Okay, then my bad. Um, um, not bad. Just yeah, I, I was there. You know. Yeah. Um. So then, then they might have. Was it maybe on the second edition or one of the revisions when they actually did it like legit its own thing? Because I, th I think that they, they, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's getting wrapped up in itself now. Now even the new world of darkness is the old world of darkness, just not oh, as old yeah, as the yeah. other old world of darkness. It's, it's but, sort of uh, parallel dimension shit. Well, they they just basically they pull the plug on, yeah, on the. Uh, the re not revised. I don't, I don't even know what you'd call it. The uh... reformed, <laughs> revamped, <laughs> yeah, rehashed, whatever. Oh, uh, apparently, it is now officially the what was formerly the New World of Darkness is the Chronicles of Darkness. Yes, they've they've changed it. It's it's. We won't even get into the terminology. But yeah, no, no, no. mummy, mummy was just weird. I'm not even going into that. But one that I always had curiosity to play, and I never properly played. I remember making characters for it, but didn't go through. Was Demon, um, the Fallen? God, there's so many. <laughs> yeah, like, like I said, you know. But the thing is, one of the reasons why I didn't end up playing Demon the is because any good nerd out there who is very much into their uh, underground, not that well known RPGs, are you going to mention in? In nomine. Exactly. <laughs> In nomine satanis, magna veritas, which were the two two sides of the same game, which is a wonderful game full of cuckoo bonkers stuff in which you essentially embody either a demon or an angel. And actually, for any of you out there who may be fans of good omens, it's essentially oh. it's essentially good omens, but as an RPG. Yeah. Oh, okay. And you can be as cuckoo as yeah. It's. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I have the original board game because my dad bought it. Um, when the the original game publisher, which I think was an independent French RPG publisher, um, yeah. or, or Italian, I can't remember one of them too. It French. Yeah, it, it got translated into Spanish, and and we had one of the first original oh. copies. Great game. Lots of crazy lore. Fantastic. Seriously, absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful, uh, lots of fun. I have the English edition from Steve Jackson yeah. Games, and they did actually heavily rewrite it. Yes, which so, I, I hear is a, um, a great loss um, from uh, what I So I, I've heard, but that said, we had some fantastic nights of gaming oh, yeah. out of it. Yeah. Um, they did actually change the dice mechanics to, believe it or not, the D666 system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> so, right, okay. You, you threw three six-sided dice, two of which had to be of the same color. Yeah, actually, they, they, they. I think they did it like that going on for the rest of the revised editions. But because oh, right. um, it was it, quite it, fun, it played well. It was loads of fun. 
Uh, and I got players that uh, really go into it because I remember saying to them, which side do you want to be on? Because I'm not having a split party because that always my life's madness. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you kind of had to make a call. Yeah. And they decided to be angels. Oh, really? Mine yeah. only decided to be demons. They, they, <laughs> uh, well, the, their argument was, we've played werewolves and we've played vampires. I know. And they ended up in... I set a campaign in modern-day Los Angeles, uh, and they were doing things like setting up a free law center to help the poor. Oh, and this oh that's so cute. <laughs> I wish my players that... wouldn't have been so twisted and horrible. Uh, <laughs> the other thing I, I loved about it was the concept of the word, where yeah. if you were an exceptionally good angel or demon, you could be granted a word, so you could be the angel of finding lost things. Yeah. And there's a wonderful example in the rule book of a plane crash being caused by a demon. And Satan gathers his minions to find out who it was that did it. Yes. And this little, in, sort of fairly insignificant demon said, I did it, Lord, sort of thing. Excellent. From here on, you shall be the, the demon of fat- fatalities in plane crashes. Yes. And huge promotion. He feels wonderful. And then it turns out that the demon that caused it was actually on the plane and has been rendered incorporeal. Fi- finally, Rick ga- gains a new body and comes back to hell and finds someone who's done that and he drags him to Satan and said this guy took the credit to credit for my work excellent from here on you shall be the demon of taking credit for other people's work it's, it generally it's it's generally a wonderful game about how operations like that sort of you know the the eternal battle of, of good and evil can be down to just micromanagement and poor management yeah. and shit like that. It, it's yeah, very, very, very good omens, yeah. It is. But the whole point of Demon the Fallen and what they did for the new edition was that essentially you were a demon, you didn't have the chance of being an angel. And right. you you did pretty much the same thing that Innominé already did. With the exception that in Innominé, you were doing all of this with the full knowledge that there was the other side and then humans. If you see what I mean, just, you know, two sides. Whilst in Demon, you were a demon on top of all of the vampires, on top of all of the werewolves, on top of all of the changelings, and the humans aware of this other shit, and the hunters. And it was like, seriously, how much competition can one species have? Yeah, I guess it does get a bit bit crowded, doesn't it? Yeah, and realistically speaking, the whole point of Demon was purely a game of, punishment and self-gain that was it that was that was all that there was about it at least in my opinion um so i didn't really um didn't really find it all that new it's almost like they used to the idea of, of the original you know vampire and rehashed it but with demons because it made some more sense but then i think they did a complete trip there because with the whole narrative of demon and whatnot you start actually treading into some things that are crucial for vampire the masquerade like lilith and right all of all of those yeah the vampires are kind of and whatnot that sort of stuff anyway aren't they yeah Yeah. so this whole idea of you know infernal glory and supposed power acquisition to restore your own former grace it's essentially the same in my eye than than vampire but the luxury of knowing that you were actually once human if you see what i mean yeah it does seem like with a lot of these games like you're kind of best off just running them as their own thing without taking us into consideration yeah yeah 100 maybe some of them fit together but 
yeah. yeah, as I, I said, yeah, I think it's an uneasy match, and I think you have to be very yeah. careful where you cross over. Yeah. And the 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 last one I just want to sort of glance upon very quickly. It's the one that I think I hate most um, because it didn't exist or not properly as a thing of its own right in the original World of Darkness, but apparently it's quite popular now in the new, not new, whatever we want to call it, World mm-hmm. of Darkness, which is the whole Promethean idea. Like, what mm. is that about? Well, it's basically the Frankenstein creature, etc., isn't it? Yeah, literally, oh. you, you are um, a, a golem. Yeah. Made of bits, or, or, or a fetish brought to life by a shaman, or you know, yes. ar- artificial life, basically. Yeah. Which uh, is... I knew somebody years ago when it was first launched, and she absolutely raved over it. Um, really? Really? Uh, I've never played it. I was at a convention once, and she was trying to get me to join in, which I would love to have done, were it not for the fact that I was actually there on behalf of a certain games company running their demo games. Yeah. So I couldn't really just walk away and play a different company's game. Yeah. Um, but I know very, very little about it, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. It it strikes me as a weird thing to try and get a party together in as much as that, you know, the, the whole point of, in certainly in Frankenstein, is he is the only creature like that. Yes, exactly. Uh, that's That's kind of what bothered me to begin that- with. That does actually sound like one where it might work where if you were playing one of the other games and one character was playing one of those. Well, possibly. That's, perhaps. that's exactly the point because originally the idea of the golem came from Vampire. And right, okay, Wolf that's with everything. Because, because the Tremere had gargoyles, which are essentially golems, mm. um, and you could create golems and things like that. And in a way, it kind of makes me feel like they sort of made Promethean for people who, like Alex, and don't take this in the wrong way, may want to experience that sort of idea of personal horror, but without the um, morality of being an evil, immortal being of doom, if that makes uh-huh. sense. Because the, 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 from what I understand, and from what I've heard from people who have played it, the entire point of Promethean is that you, know, you become aware that you're a construct. You know, right. someone has put you together, and 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 that's who you are. There, there's nothing terribly special about you. You know, you don't have necessarily magical abilities or whatever, but there are you know dynamics that make the game X Y Z, um, and it's kind of about dealing with that. And I don't know if any of you have watched Penny Dreadful, the TV series. I've not. No. Um, Mike, you really should. Um, <laughs> just because it's really your your sort of thing. And I, I, I've heard tell. I, I'm not sure if it, if it was on Netflix when I didn't have Netflix or whatever. But uh, um, I, I now have Netflix and Amazon, so I, I shall have a look. Could be. Uh, there is now a, a second uh, sort of. It's not the second series. It's like a like a, a sequel. Seen the trailers for yeah, it in sort yeah, of 1920s or yeah, which is quite interesting. My parents have been watching. I, I haven't as of yet, and and it's very interesting. Uh, but anyway, the original Penny Dreadful is essentially. It's kind of World of Darkness, but with sort of Victorian concepts. So mm-hmm. if you ever played Vampire the Masquerade, the Victorian expansion, essentially that, but brought to life with the different archetypes of World of Darkness. And one of the characters there is Frankenstein's monster. And if you watch the series, it very much strikes me that what they do with him is what the experience of playing Promethean is all about. 
sort of attempting to exist in a world where you shouldn't even be a thing with the full awareness that you are a thing that has been created with specific purpose kind of kind of like if you were you know an, an ai but without yeah. the the coolness of being machine if you see what i mean yeah and, and with a lot more humanity maybe i don't know yeah it kind of strikes me as that's that's the thing plus the whole monstrosity aspect of it of course because what makes you a promethean may not be terribly you know um yeah. nice like like mike said you know you could be all, all sorts of things like um I think in the in the quick in the quick snapshot I have here it says the characters are individuals created by first dismembering and reassembling a human corpse, hmm. and in most cases multiple corpses. Blah blah blah. So, so you know you're obviously gonna have that sort of feeling of I am legit a monster. What the hell yeah. do I do? Um, and I suspect yeah, I suspect that has some appeal, but yeah, I don't see particularly how a game just based around a party of those really makes sense but yeah like i say if it's just like one of those amongst a bunch of vampires could be an interesting dynamic <clears throat> uh, yeah i'm I'm not sure i mean thing is they've they've released other things in the new one which i've generally just kind of lost track and an interest like geist which i think is their new idea of of right sort of thing and yeah. this thing called deviance which i'm not even sure what it is about and and beast <laughs> which it seems to sort of encompass I... anything and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think a lot of these either release had very limited release or didn't actually make it out at all. Yeah, it's. Um, I think you know they were they they as as much as I love World of Darkness and and White Wolf Publishing because seriously they they are games that keep on giving. In in my opinion, I mean, I've 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 had games of White Wolf, whatever branch that have been going on for years. Mm. I, I mean, I'm sure Mike has as well, probably decades. Oh God, yes, I I still get asked when I'm going to restart a Leeds campaign. Yeah, so you know, it's Wait. it's I think the value of of these games in comparison with something like D and D and whatever is that at least some of the mainliners the um the capability for for ever changing growth and whatnot in terms of story and and whatever is is very present and and they are completely atemporal you know they they are gonna be relevant now in 20 years time you know everything because they are about the world sort of now sort of then if you see what i mean mm -hmm. um but but i definitely think that their sort of downfall was trying to reach overstretch themselves a bit too much. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, trying to do everything, it sounds like. Well, although, you know, I've been sniping here and there at, at White Wolf. I would also say that I think one of the things that they did, which was cannot be overestimated, was how much they brought an adult form of role-playing into yeah. a hobby that hadn't got one pr prior to that. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I, I mean, I, through the 80s, I played things like, amongst other things, the James Bond RPG, which was a great game. Well, still is. It's a beautiful piece of design. And yeah, we were having great spy adventures or whatever, which we thought was a different league to playing D&D. &D. And yeah. I, to be honest, I would still maintain it is. But then, 1989 or 90, whenever it was, when Vampire emerged, 
And it was like being an alien tool, given an alien toolkit and not knowing what the hell we could do with this. Mm. And I know, as with any game, some people, let's say, smirking here, just for the record, played it wrong. <laughs> I, I remember yeah. a great a great GM of my acquaintance said he stopped playing it because his players just wanted to play dark superheroes and have fights and lob cars at each other in the street. Yep. Um, but, you know, I remember taking my players up to Leeds when we've been playing it, a game set in there for a few months. And I know Leeds really, really, really well. And they didn't. And I said, I'll just walk around and show you some of the locations. And a lot of the, there was actually quite a connection when they could actually walk down the street. And they were seeing places I'd described to them. And it, it really just grounded and it made that campaign superb. I agree. I did a very similar thing um, back home. And, and I think a few of the games that I've run that were based sort of in London or, you know, or somewhere where everyone would have been and they would have a good recollection of the place, it, it gives you that sort of strange sense of familiarity that allows your character to feel a bit more comfortable in its own skin, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which I think yeah. for some I mean, strange reason is why these LARP groups that I was mentioning are so successful, because you are essentially playing the vampires of yeah. the city. Um, yeah. True. So, yeah. I mean, I, I go up to Leeds with my friend Chris quite regularly, and we still, because of where we park, we walk past one area, and, and he still points out every time, pretty much, his where his character's flat is. <laughs> That's cool. And, and we, we did have one on the night when we, we went up. So I took everybody up on a on night, obviously, rather than daytime. And uh, there was a, a, a regular small select. Uh, uh, Restaurant that we use as a uh, uh, a frequent location in the games, mm. and I'd always described it as being not the sort of place you're walking off the street. It's just a door in a wall. Yeah, the, there's no sign. There's nothing. Right. And we turned the corner onto the hedgerow, which is Main Street in Leeds. And I sort of said, in, in round here, it doesn't actually exist because it's just shops here. But yeah. You know, if you imagine that about 30 feet up here, just a plain wooden door on the left. Mm. There was a plain wooden door on the left. <laughs> Genuine, genuinely. <laughs> Legit plain wooden door. That's great. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Where did that come from? Well, I can only assume that I've walked past it and just never registered and dropped it into the game. But <laughs> genuinely. <Yeah>. Subconsciously. <laughs> yeah. But, but genuinely, my players are like, Holy, you know, <laughs> willed it into existing. <laughs> well, I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> there was a temptation. One of the, one of the uh, Toriador characters used to play piano in the restaurant, and they got very fond of this Toriador. And uh, th there was a temptation to knock on the door to see if we could ask if Heather was there, you know. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Well, I think that's actually all we have time for today. Well, um, before we finish, I wanted to mention. Something else. Oh, yeah. I think uh, I think you're probably going to talk about the thing that I was going to say before. Pap. Um, is it the video games by any chance? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one, one thing that White Wolf have done very sensibly, I think, is that with their licensing, you know, <laughs> as much as they may have gone crazy with their own doing of things, they've been very careful with their licensing. And when they have licensed their products to do other stuff, like whether it is you know, fiction or comic books or 
models or actual um, games, such as the game, the case with the video games. I think they've done a really good job, and to that, you know, kudos to them. Yeah. The the main one everyone will be most familiar with is uh, Vampire: The Masquerade Bloodlines. Yes, which Great is uh, a sort of a first-person RPG that came out in two thousand and four. Yeah, um, and was kind of one of the good examples of that that era of you know a really quite detailed RPG where mm -hmm. you could actually role play and play a character, and there was a lot of dialogue choices and which bloodline you chose would really decide quite a lot of things about how you interact with the world and stuff so quite impressive for a game from 2004 you know um uh, it being having quite a good sort of like little open world as well um so yeah uh i i'd never played it much back in the day but i've played it like here and there since and yeah it's quite good yeah i think um, as much as it's got old and the graphics look awful, yeah. um, it, the the story element of it is still seriously it's, masterpiece. It's quite a well-loved game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's been modded a lot to improve yeah, things. It has a lot yeah. of replayability as well because of the options that they've given you, not just by choosing different bloodlines, but even if you choose the same bloodline and you just tweak a little action or a little decision that you make at some point in the game, it just takes you on a completely different route. And hmm. I think that's not just a sign of, you know how powerful the storytelling engine of White Wolf is, but how well designed the game is as as well. Because you know it's it's how many years now on sixteen, and it's yeah. still it's, it's just well written. Its thing, yeah, very well written. Uh, you know, it's a very different thing from a tabletop RPG. You know, mm. a video game RPG needs to be like fully, you know, narratively there. You know, you're not making it up yourself as a DM or anything. So, um, if it's got good writing and it gives you freedom and choice that that makes for a good rpg and a video game um they announced a sequel to it um, yeah. a couple of years ago although that is looking a bit uh i don't know a bit unsure as to how that's going to turn out now yes as um it's a completely different uh studio and publisher and developer doing it um, they released some preview footage of gameplay about a year ago now, I believe, or a bit longer, um, which, you know, didn't look terribly inspiring. Could be could be better, could be worse. Um, you know, hard to say with preview of an unfinished game anyway, so you can withhold judgment there. Um, but the kind of the main worry about the, the game is it's it's been delayed quite a bit. It was meant to come out mm. at the beginning of 2020 yeah. this year. Yeah. It got delayed to the end of this year and now has again been delayed to next year at some uncertain time yeah and on top of that they have gotten rid of two of their most important uh people working on the game for some reason mm. it's very weird uh if i just uh, i found a news story here um uh brian mitsoda who was the original lead writer on the 2004 game and was the narrative lead on this game has been kicked out of the studio, um, as well as the director, um, Kai Clooney, who, who's been kicked out as well. And they've kind of not given any reasoning as to why. And uh, Mitsoda said that, um, uh, as a quote here, this, that this came as a shock to me is underselling it. Mm. I'm incredibly disappointed and frustrated to say that this is where it ends for me on the project. So it's it's kind of a weird situation that's sort of come out in the last few months, 
and a lot of fans of the original game and you know world of darkness and video games in general are kind of worried because this was kind of the main selling point of the game that they had the original lead writer back yeah he was it's doing a lot of the interviews and stuff and pushing the game and for some reason he's been dropped it came as a shock to him as came as a shock to everyone else and then the game has been delayed for some reason so it's kind of worrying yeah for for fans of that game so yeah i it's a it's a real yeah i think at the moment it says an an unspecified 21 release date yeah it's a bit daunting i i still think that the game will come out and i still think that the game would be a good game just because they are not gonna undo what the original writer has done it will be a different game though Um, yes yeah Uh, whether they're gonna change things a lot or not it's it's uncertain but yeah if they stick with the basically you know it's a gonna be a very story focused game you know the gameplay can be a bit wonky but that's fine as long as the you know the narrative and the role-playing aspects are fun which if they just build on the original game then it shouldn't be a huge problem you know um so as long as they haven't got like don't undo all the work that uh uh, brian mitzoda did um they might be okay (laughs) but who knows yeah no i i think i think it will be good and i mean one of the things that i i really appeal well i think they have a lot of appeal for me for the game, not just for the obviously nostalgia, fan value, blah blah, is mm. that a the new game, at least from the trailer, the graphics look amazing, and I know that we don't really need a video game to bring cool ass vampires to life because yeah. you know we can do that with but but that sort of sense of realism and tangibility. It's it's nice, you know, to actually yeah. bring it back oh, yeah. and give it a, a washover and whatnot. And it is actually based in 21st century Seattle, um, oh, yeah. which for lovers of the World of Darkness setting is quite interesting because Vampire the Masquerade originally really only gave us, you know, settings up to the just about the year 2000 and, and you know, the end of times and all of that happened as the end of times were supposed to happen. Um, with the year 2000 and all of that. So actually moving the narrative into now, you know, 21st century modern world, and particularly, you know, a place like Seattle, which in the actual canon of White Wolf, it's it's always been um, Sabbath territory and therefore sort of playing with the bad guys and whatnot. It's, I think the the, the drama is going to be high tension, which which is what you want from a game like that. So... I think it's it's probably going to be quite visceral in 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 all kinds of ways yeah. in every single way a game of vampire can be um and i i think you know i i i do i do have some concerns about the creative decisions that have you know sort of uh, cropped up recently but mm. i still think it's going to be a very enjoyable game although it has a lot of you know, it has a lot of potential to disappoint people as well i think yeah it is never a good sign when you know you bring something back here yeah, especially like a 15 16 year old game that is kind of a cult classic yeah and you get the original people working on it and stuff it's like oh this is great and then then those people that made the original game are booted out by the new company that is, yeah. is making it it's it's definitely worrying 
But on that front, I would like to say that relatively recently, I think no more than five years ago or something like that, they also released, no, I don't think it was the same studio, a video game based on Werewolf the Apocalypse. And although I haven't played it, mm. I've heard it's also very good and the gameplay is actually quite interesting. Yeah, um, there are a couple of other like smaller World of Darkness games. Yeah, yeah. they actually had like a bit of a, they, they had World of Darkness online, which yeah. was kind of that. like, you know, World of Warcraft yeah. online, but as if it was World of Darkness. And to be fair, the servers were so clunky, it didn't quite work out very well. And interestingly, this started happening shortly after, um, Bloodlines came out, and I think it was about 2008, something like that. Yeah, and that time uh, for MMOs. It it actually became like um, crossover with all of those forums I was talking about because a lot of people from the forums with their characters and all that they mm. went to World of Darkness online and they recreated their characters, you know, pen and paper RPG there, and they spoke yeah. with the community there, and actually some pretty cool stuff came out of that. It kind of reminded me a bit of. Um, when the uh, Warhammer community did the same, but with the mod for Warhammer in Neverwinter Nights. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, those servers are still yeah. live and full of people. So, you know, there yeah, you go. Yeah, that does happen. Like, similarly with um, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, like, yeah. That's these, like, happens. old MMOs that, you know, everyone's moved on from. But, yeah, people would otherwise just be, like, role-playing on a forum somewhere have, like, flocked to these, like, old MMOs based on their setting. And... Yeah. But... But I think it kind of, you know, demonstrates the, the great devotion and, and cult following that the franchise has as a whole. Because yeah, you know, that doesn't it doesn't happen from thin air. Definitely but... got some hardcore fans. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, some of them allegedly may have even gone to transition themselves as a part of this. Uh, <laughs> Mike, <laughs> um, I'm sure I don't, I don't know what you mean. No, of course not. Totally not undead. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah. Hey, no. When you're 348, you won't look this good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, we could carry on talking about this for ages, and I'm sure we will at some other point. But it's, it is. I think it's been such a formative aspect of both our lives as as role players. Um, and, and 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 just the role playing industry these days, really, that um, it, it had to be addressed. Um, so anyone out there that hasn't actually tried World of Darkness yet, in any way, shape, or form, seriously, go get it. Maybe don't go and get, you know, Beast or Promethean. I don't know, you know. <laughs> Maybe start with with the basics. But seriously, have have a look into it because even if it's just purely from the lore, even if you end up running your own, home, there's so much stuff in there that is so so good and so useful that. Generally, you will you will have lots of fun, um, and if you are particularly fond of RPGs where you don't have to, you know, roll all the time for stuff or whatever, you know, actually work on the interaction. It it works genuinely as a treat if you are playing it as things are now with the pandemic and whatnot on Discord and all that because it's all about the conversation and about the interaction yeah. between people and whatnot. So it doesn't really matter if you don't have a fancy you know, program running it or whatever. It's you can pretty much just do it out of Viva Voce and just get running um with a few loose rules because there are actually not that many rules um in the terms of running the game. So, you know, just just a thought for the for the people out there. And um that's kind of it. This is being quite a long one. So if you're listening, thank you so much for carrying on. Um yeah. 
Yeah, thanks, Mike, for bringing your ancestral knowledge on <laughs> this subject no and your very extensive book collection. <laughs> and and thanks, Alex, for you know sharing your your traumatizing experience of a horrible game with us. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. Excellent. It's always well, a memorable one. Indeed. Well, there you go. Thanks a lot, guys, and catch you on the next one. Cheers. Bye. Bye.